This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Can we give it up for our team this morning? Can we just thank them so much for leading us so excellently? Man, we are so grateful to have such a great team at Nova. But more than that, we need to be the kind of church that's grateful that every time we do come in, that God does meet us. And you know, that's not hyperbole, that's not just rhetoric, that's not something that pastors just say because they're like, hey, we need clapping. <laughs> it's because the spirit of the living God, the same spirit that hovered over the water of the deep at creation, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is here, now. And he wants to meet with you. And he wants to encounter you. It doesn't matter if you came in this week and you feel like you're so far from God that how could he possibly love me? It doesn't matter if you came in having the worst week possible. It doesn't matter if you're watching online and you feel like how could God possibly love me? He does. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross and raise from a grave so that you could be reconciled to him. There is no one so far gone that the love of God is not enough for them. Amen? Come on. Would you take a seat this morning, turn to someone and welcome them, and turn with me in your Bible to the book of John, chapter 15. We're going to go there together. We're going to look at this passage for a couple of minutes and see what it is that God is speaking to us through it. It's good to see your eyes this morning. I can't see all of your face, but the mask and the eyes, it counts for something. I can tell that some of you are smiling, and so we appreciate that. And hey, if you're watching online this morning, thank you so much for joining us. However it is that you came to be here, we know it's no small deal. Um, and so we appreciate you being here, and we believe that God wants to speak to you. All right. John 15. We're in a series right now called Code Red, and part of the reason for that is we're looking at the words of Jesus, and if you, you know anything about the Bible and maybe in your translation, the words of Jesus are in red, partly so that you can pay attention to them and see, oh, this is something that Jesus said, but also the, the play on words that we're using with Code Red is that it's urgent. Like, imagine that you're sitting in Ikea and it's like, boop, boop, Code Red. You're not like eating your meatballs like, oh, is that a sale? Is that a sale happening? No, you're probably not eating your meatballs. You're like, code red, because you know it's urgent. And the thing is that what we believe as a church is that there is an urgent call on our church to see the lost come to know Jesus. There's an urgent call on your life to live the way of Jesus into the abundant life that he has for us. And so when we look at the words of Jesus, we're calling them code red because it's the kind of thing that we need to pay attention to. We put our meatballs down and we pay attention to. So read with me in John chapter 15 this morning in the NLT. It's going to come up on the screen and we can read it together. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Good point. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me. And I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, look at this, you can do nothing. Nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Ooh, not what you want to hear from Jesus of Nazareth. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. 
When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. You know, I, I, I've personally, this verse, I think, is one of the most important verses that we can understand for ourselves today. And I, I personally like paraphrases. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, this word here, uh, remain, that Jesus keeps using in this verse, is kind of tricky to translate from Greek because it could be remain or abide or dwell. But the idea that Jesus is saying is that you need to find home in him. That idea of dwell, that place that you call home, the place that is so familiar to you that, it's, that it feels like home. And so I love paraphrases, and, and you know the message is one of the paraphrases. I, I like the message. But I want to read to you from a different paraphrase this morning called uh, the NSPP, the Nova Scotia Pandemic Paraphrase. I'm going to read that to you this morning. It says this, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who stay the blazes home in me, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not stay the blazes home in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you stay the blazes home in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I want to title this message this morning, Stay the Blazes Home home. And as a subtitle, be with Jesus. Let's pray this morning and ask God to open our hearts and minds to his word. Father, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that you're moving. Lord, we pray this morning that my words would just fall to the floor and be forgotten, but that your words, your truth, your conviction would hit us in the heart, that it would stick with us, that it would burn into our minds and our souls. Lord, that your truth would be so true and real to us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you remember when that first happened? Uh, if you're watching online today and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, our premier, Stephen McNeil, when people weren't listening to the stay home order, said, just stay the blazes home. And this became kind of like a rallying cry for Nova Scotia. You know what I'm talking about? We took this really seriously. We made t-shirts. We made memes. We made bumper stickers that all said, stay the blazes home. And the reason why was not, it's partly to flatten the curve, prevent the spread, all that sort of stuff with COVID. But there's something about home that is a place of security and safety. Part of it was to keep us safe as well. It was saying home is actually a safe place where you can go to let down and be safe and have security. And what I love about this verse that we're looking at is that this is the invitation of Jesus. You know, home is one of those places, and maybe during the pandemic you had one of these moments where, where sometimes you get too comfortable at home. Do you know what I'm talking about? Too comfortable at home. Any of you on Zoom ever take a Zoom call and you're just wearing sweatpants? And you're like, oh, right, this is a business meeting. Or, or maybe if you're anything like me, you know, you kind of like hear a knock at the door and you're like, who is knocking this early in the morning? And you're like, 3 p.m.? Wait, what did I, where did the, and I'm wearing like sweatpants and a stained t-shirt and my hair is all matted to one side and I open the door kind of like, hello, and someone's six feet away on the other side and they're talking to me about something and all I can think is, did I, did I eat a dumpster? Like, did I, when was the last time I brushed my teeth? And I'm like, what is that smell? And I'm like, oh, I think it's me. When did I shower last, right? Because sometimes the thing with home is it's a place to be comfortable. It's a place where you can let down. You can be authentic. You don't have any pressure on you to be anything other than yourself. It's a place where you can just be open and honest and real. It's a place where you can have bad breath and 
you know, dirty stained t-shirts, etc. And the thing is that when it comes to home, even if you have a bad experience with home, there's a place that you know of where you feel that. You feel secure. You feel safe. You feel welcome. You feel cozy. You feel comfortable. You feel like you can let down and just be yourself. That's what home is. And in this verse, that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, find that in me. Your security, your well-being, your safety, you want to find your comfort, your rest, your well-being, your authentic self? It's found in me. And Jesus' invitation to us this morning, when he's saying abide, he's saying, hey, come and dwell in me. Come and live in me. Make your home in me. And when you do that, stay the blazes home. Wherever you go, carry me with you. Be with me. Make your home in me. And you know, church, we have this incredible vision as a church, to see the lost, to see those who are far from God come close to God. We want to see this city reach. And sometimes as Christians, this is what we do. We're like, man, I'm going to live a Christian life. I'm going to reach a lot of people. And we psych ourselves up and we're like, here we go, here we go. But then we find out that it's actually kind of hard. Right? It's hard to invite people to church. It's hard to share your faith with your friends and coworkers and your family that doesn't know Jesus. It's hard to just find a stranger and go, hey, you want to come to church with me? You got to register for the service. And, and by the way, if, if, if you do invite someone to church, register for them just to keep the bar, you know, like make it accessible for them. But the reality is this. Look what Jesus says in verse 5. He says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, in this room this morning, I think we could be honest with ourselves and say that there are moments in our lives where we've tried in our own effort to either reach people or even in our own personal faith walk to work out our salvation, maybe overcome addiction, overcome a struggle. And, and then when we try in our own self, it doesn't work. See, Jesus isn't just saying, he's saying, hey, this is what we need to understand is that his expectation for us is very high. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Go and make disciples. That's a high bar. And then he also says, without me, it's impossible. You can't do it. See, Jesus isn't just saying, oh, that's difficult. He's saying, without me, it's impossible. But with me, all things are possible. But we need to be the kind of church that doesn't just start. A couple weeks ago, I preached a message where I said that we need to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. We don't just start doing what Jesus did. We don't even just start with trying to be like Jesus in our own effort. We need to start by being with Jesus. Church, we need to be a church. If we're going to see what we want to see and see the revival of God come into the city, we need to be the kind of church that just collectively says, I am committed to staying in Jesus and staying the blazes home. Church, we need to be with Jesus. And that, that verse kind of opens up a view of what that would look like. Look at this in, in verse chapter 5. Jesus is talking about how God prunes the branches. Now, pruning, if you're wondering, is not like when you sit in the hot tub for too long or the bath, right? No, no. Pruning is what happens, because we're not agricultural, when a farmer or a gardener takes shears or a knife and cuts a branch off. And you're like, well, that seems counterintuitive, right? Like, if you're looking for, um, you know, growth, you would think, take all the growth that you have. But the reality is that sometimes growth is actually holding back fruitfulness. It's holding back progress. 
If you don't know anything about vineyards, let me tell you something. They trim 70 to 90% of the grapevine every single year. 70 to 90%. These big grapevines that have tons of fruit on them. You would think, well, that's healthy. That's doing well. Why would we need to do anything to it? But they go, it's because we need to make progress. This morning, you need to know pruning is progress. Pruning actually opens the way for progress in the next season, for fruitfulness in the next season. And if we don't allow ourselves to be pruned, it actually ends up creating a diminished return. But here's the problem with pruning. It's painful. You see, when they cut 70 to 90% of the, of the branch off of the grapevine, you can imagine that if you were the branch, you're like, ow. And the thing is that Jesus in this verse says, hey, you're my disciples, you've already been pruned. But, but just to be clear, he's talking to disciples who have left their jobs, left their families, who have had their whole religious view on the world as Jewish men completely turned upside down. They have already been pruned. But when we come to Jesus, as people living in 2020, when we are outworking our faith here and now, there is still some pruning to be done. There are still some ways of the world that we actually need to have cut off from our lives so that we can be fruitful for the thing that God has called us to. And that's challenging. Because just like it would be to a branch, if it could talk, it hurts. It can be painful. Sometimes when God asks you to give something up or you feel like God has taken something out of your life, maybe it's an old habit or a way of thinking or a behavior, and you're like, but, but that's comfortable. I like that. And God's going, yeah, but it's holding you back from the progress that I have for you, for the fruitfulness that I have for you. And if you just trust me, it may feel like I'm taking a lot, but I'm going to return even more. Pruning is progress. And the hard part is that sometimes when we get into that kind of relationship with God, maybe it's a moment of worship or we're reading our Bible or we're spending time in prayer and we feel as if God is starting to do something in us and he asks us to give something up. See, because it says he's the gardener. We don't need to go navel gazing and look for our own faults. He'll bring it up when we're in his presence, when we're attached to the vine. And God says, just give that up. And we go, no, that's mine. What we're actually doing is we're, we're separating ourselves from the vine. If a branch could get up and walk away, it, it probably would. <laughs> and we have that ability as people. We have the ability to, to say, no, God, I, I don't want you to take that. I don't want you to touch that. That's mine. That belongs to me. And God, in his grace, goes, okay. See, we think God is like, no, you don't understand. But he goes, okay, that's fine. He respects you enough to let you choose. We need to be people who choose him, not walking away. Because let me just ask you a question. What would happen if I had a grapevine in front of me this morning and there's a branch coming out of it that's got leaves and grapes on it? What would happen if I take scissors and cut that? What would happen to that branch immediately? Nothing, right? If I take it and I cut it off, what's gonna happen to the leaves on that branch? They're gonna stay on it. What's gonna happen to the grapes on that branch? They're gonna stay on it. You see, because sometimes it doesn't actually look like anything has happened. And we go, no, God, I can't give you this. Please, please just leave that part of my life alone. And we separate ourselves from the vine of God, from the presence of God, and say, I don't want you to deal with that, and I would rather step away if I need to. And then we go, okay, nothing happened. <laughs> no lightning. God didn't smite me. So I guess I'm fine. But let me ask you something about that branch. What's going to happen next season? 
it's going to die. Slowly but surely, it's going to wither. You see, because what happens when we become absent from the presence of God is that absence actually assures atrophy. Absence assures atrophy. It's not like, well, maybe if you cut off a branch, it's going to die. No, you cut off a branch, it's going to die. But the difference is it doesn't happen immediately. The difference is it takes time. And maybe some of you in this place this morning, there was a moment that God asked you to do something, and instead of being obedient, you went, uh, no, that's not for me. And maybe you're feeling that atrophy in your life. Maybe you're going, you know what? I remember, I remember when I was on fire for God, but I'm just apathetic. I'm just feeling like I'm, you know, not really living out my faith in a vibrant way. See, the thing about that branch is if you were to cut it off with fruit on it, the fruit's going to stay on the branch. And sometimes what we can do as Christians is we go, oh, I remember five years ago I was praying for someone and they were healed. It was incredible. Remember two years ago when God did that thing in my life? Powerful, powerful. But what's, what's God doing right now? See, because the fruit of last season is no indication that you're not absent from God. What God did back in the day is not an indication that you're still abiding. And church, we cannot reach a city on the stories of yesterday. We need new fruit. We need God to do something new in our lives. And it does not come through going, man, remember five years ago. Your testimony is powerful, but your testimony needs to be an open book story that God continues to write. We need to allow him to prune us back to get us ready for the next season. And instead of detaching and becoming absent, we need to say, yes, Lord, let your will be done. Let your will be done. Absence assures atrophy. We need to make the decision when it feels painful, when it feels like God is asking us to do something to go, you know what, I'm going to stay the blazes home in God. I'm going to choose to stay with God. And Lord, I trust you to prune me back to a place of progress. God, I trust you to take me to the next level. But what it takes is the presence of God. We need to be attached to the presence of God. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Not, you can't reach a city. You, you can do nothing. You can't be righteous. You can't work it out on your own. You can't be holy. You can't live righteously. Without me, you can do nothing. Stay the blazes home because presence produces fruit. Check this out in Galatians 5. The Apostle Paul was someone who wrote a significant portion of the New Testament in letters to churches. He had this moment of encounter with God where he was walking along a road going to go and kill a bunch of Christians. And on his way, he has this encounter with the risen Jesus. He's in the presence of God. And it actually blinds him. It causes him to question everything he had. God prunes him in that moment, cuts him back, humbles him. But then look where his life goes. He writes a significant portion of the New Testament, plants his church all over minor Asia. He becomes a champion of the kingdom instead of a persecutor of the kingdom. And check this out. In Galatians 5, he says this, and I'm going to skip ahead to verse 22, Jeremy, so why don't you just go with me says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. 
See, church, sometimes we look at verse 22 of Galatians 5 as like a to-do list for Christians. Be loving. Be patient. Be kind. Which is, I guess, not a bad thing to try. But remembering the words of Jesus, apart from me, you can do nothing. We're always going to fail. When you're driving down the road and that person cuts you off, probably not going to be self-controlled. When your kid smashes something in the background, probably not going to be kind. But on a more serious note, when someone hurts you, when someone breaks your heart, you're probably not going to be forgiving. You're probably not going to trust again. When someone is different than you and has a different opinion than you, if we live the way of the world, the way of the flesh, if you were to go back to this verse and you look from verse 19 on to verse 21, Paul lists a whole bunch of things that are the way of the flesh and the way of the world. And what Paul is saying here is, stay the blazes home. Stay in Jesus. Because if we live according to the flesh, it brings out violence and anger and hatred and malice and immorality and all this sort of sin that entangles us. But if you stay the blazes home, it produces love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Stay the blazes home. You see, fruit doesn't grow on a vine because of the effort of the vine. I mean, you don't see a branch in a vineyard going, grape! It just doesn't do that. It's not trying. It just attaches itself to the vine and it does the rest. The vine feeds the branch and the branch grows the fruit. If you detach yourself from the presence, atrophy follows. But church, when we are present, the presence produces fruit. And in our lives, we need to be the kind of people who not just on Sunday are going, what are you doing, Holy Spirit? What are you doing, presence of God? How can I know you more? We need to be the kind of people who are so used to who Jesus is that we see him in our everyday lives and we're aware of his presence. How much would it change it if when you're driving down the highway, you feel that you're in the presence of God, you're talking with God, and when someone cuts you off, that overflow of what God is doing in your life is no hand gestures. You can laugh at that. That's okay. People are like, no, that's not me. <laughs> that's fine. It might be me. I don't know. But the reality is this, church, that we need to be attached to the vine. We need to stay the blazes home in order to produce fruit. And here's the beauty is that fruit isn't for the grapevine. The fruit of your life is not just for you. It's for other people. Church, there's a city of lost and broken and hurting people who need the fruit of the Spirit like never before. Can you imagine what it would look like if a church of 400 people decided to say, I am going to abide in Christ. I'm going to practice the presence of God in my everyday life when I go to work, when I'm biking, when I'm running, when I'm jogging, when I'm talking to my kids, when I'm talking to my spouse, when I'm actually talking to the family member that voted in a way that I didn't like or had opinions that I didn't like or when I go into a comment section. I am going to abide in Christ. I'm going to stay the blazes home and I'm going to invite him to do something in my heart. Because the overflow of that it's love, peace, patience, kindness. It's not through effort. It's not by might. It's by abiding. And I'm willing to bet this morning that 
If you were to ask, if I were to ask, hey, who wants that in their life? Who wants verse 22 in their life? Who wants to be loving? Who wants to be patient? Who wants to be kind? Who wants to be good? Probably the majority of you want that in your life, right? Unless there's some of you that are like, no, I'd rather be grumpy and super irritating and nobody likes me. That's awesome. I don't want people to like me. I like not liking people. In which case, you're in the right place. We're glad you're here. That's amazing. But I think probably for the majority of us that we're, we're willing to admit that we need Jesus. We want those things in our life. It doesn't come from our own effort. It comes from just simply going, come Holy Spirit. Work in my life. Be with me in every day, in every moment. Don't depart from me. I'm going to stay the blazes home. So this morning, if you are in this room and you're like, man, I, that, that home that you're talking about, I want that home. I want a place of security. I want a place of safety. I want a place that I can let down and be comforted and be at ease and be myself and be authentic and yet still be accepted. The invitation of Jesus for you this morning is come to me. I can be your home. I can give you meaning and purpose for your life. You were made for God. You were made to know him. The problem is that your sin does stand in the way. The problem with sin is that there's no way that we can pay it on our own. But the good news is this, that Jesus Christ became a man and walked among us and taught us and healed us and set us free. And then after all of that, went to the cross and paid for your sin and my sin. And then three days later, he rose from the grave so that death has no hold on you. So that you can live in the spirit and in the power of God, knowing him and in relationship with him. Come on, that's good news this morning. So if you're in this place and you're like, that's what I want. I want that home. It's as simple as acknowledging that you need Jesus. Confessing your sin to him, saying, God, I need you. I need you to change my heart and change my life. Please come and move in me. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, just for, just for a second, just for privacy, no one looking around, nothing weird or spiritual going on here but something significant all the same. If you want to accept Jesus, if you want to become a Christian this morning, if you want to start abiding in the vine and find that home, could you just lift your hand high enough and long enough for me to see it? Yeah, I see that hand. 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 Yeah, I see you. I see you. Come on, would you just do me a favor? And I'm going to ask everyone to pray this prayer, not just the people who raise their hands, but especially if you raise your hand. It's just simply asking God to forgive your sin and take over and teach you how to live. So come on, would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, come on, everyone praying this. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. I thank you that you have called me higher. I thank you that you can be my home. Right now, I acknowledge that you are God and I am not. And I ask you to help me live. Forgive me of my sin and give me a new start in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, can we give it up for these people this morning? Hey, hey, this is super important, super important. And I know we're a little over time. I apologize for that. Super important though. If you raised your hand, could you text the word faith to the number that you're gonna see come up on screen behind me? The reason is this. We just wanna help you start that journey well. What you're saying is I wanna be attached to the vine and we want to help you through the process of the pruning. 
help you stay attached to God, help you find community, help you start outworking your faith in this place. So just text the word faith to that. That's the best decision that you could possibly make, and we celebrate that with you. Could you stand to your feet? Stand to your feet this morning. We're going to sing a song as we go out, celebrating what God has done, but I just want to encourage you during this song, maybe ask the question, is the fruit in my life last year's fruit, or is it what God is doing now? The good news is that right now, if you feel like, actually, I've detached myself, Romans 5 says that God can graft in any branch that he chooses. And when you come before God and you say, God, I, I've done it, I've, I've walked, I, I need you. He doesn't go, well, too darn bad, you've been cut off. He says, come, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it, I'll give you rest. And so this morning, I want to encourage you especially for the Christians in the room. Where are you at? Are you the blazes home? Or do you need to come home? Be blessed, church. Let's sing together.